Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Sandy Springs, you brave people. It's, <laughs> you were brave to come out this morning in this weather and this wind and this rain, and, but we're here to serve the Lord and to worship Him. So let's stand and let's do that together for those who can stand, for those who can't, just remain seated.
Most of you by now know Arnold, and so he's going to come and sing for us again today. And the K will be playing for him on the piano this morning. Very good. Thank you. Allow me a minute to give you a, a prayer request. It's all right to cry about spiritual things, but my wife has been having trouble for several years now with a weak heart and they found an aortic valve that's got to be replaced or else. So she can still get up and move around the house and she's got this long stick with this fuzzy thing on the end of it. She's always dusting something, you know. I don't know what you call that thing. But we argue sometimes about how much dirt's supposed to be in the house. You know, I tolerate just a little. She won't tolerate one speck. So she spends all day cleaning that house. But by nighttime, she's just worn out. So last Wednesday, we went to St. Joseph's, and they did a bunch of tests. And then we were back Friday for some more. So Monday, she goes into the hospital at 11 o'clock. And about 1 o'clock, they're going to replace her aortic valve. So pray for her. Faye wouldn't put that name on your prayer list, please. Uh, one o'clock tomorrow she gets that valve replaced all right let me try to sing this song uh, I love it it's uh, this young lady who does so well on the piano is going to play for me Go ahead. room at the cross
Yes, there's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's still room at the cross for If you want to take out your smartphone and set a timer for tomorrow at one o'clock, that would be a good idea because Faye is having heart surgery at one o'clock tomorrow. And if you want to set an alarm, if that helps you, you can do that for tomorrow at one o'clock. Um, and we'll do that now as well. Let's pray. Lord, we pray ahead of time for Faye. For the hands of the surgeon, for those that help, for Arnold as he's concerned, for us as we pray, and we pray that everything goes better than we expect. So God, thank you for praying people. We don't have to know Faye to pray for her. If we're visiting today, hopefully we realize we've walked into a praying church. Father, let us be praying people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. As you know, it was Passover in Jerusalem. You likely remember the story from Exodus when the death angel was passing over the homes whose doorposts were covered with the blood of a lamb and that child would live and so the Jews celebrated, obviously, Passover. And it became a yearly festival, still is. Jerusalem was always flooded for the celebration, and I suspect it still is. That's when Palm Sunday occurred at that Passover time. But today, before we get to that time, Scripture tells us about another visit that Jesus made to Jerusalem, and it could have been Passover, maybe a year before maybe two years before the day we will celebrate in a moment. John tells us this story about Jesus going to Jerusalem a few years before the one we'll talk about in a minute. Chapter 5 of John, beginning at verse 1. Afterward, Jesus, after a healing that he had done, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Now, there's debate about which one that is, but a lot of people think it was likely Passover. We don't know. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, said the man. I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. 
Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up and pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. It's a sad, interesting picture that John paints here. Crowds of sick and blind and lame and paralyzed people gathered at this pool under these porches, hopefully in the shade, because they were there all day and maybe all night. They were hoping to be healed. Why were they hoping that? Well, the rumor had been spread that when bubbles hit the pool, that meant that an angel was stirring the water. And if you could get in that water right after the angel touched it, you could be healed is what they thought. We don't know his name, but we know he'd been sick for 38 years. Go back to the spring of 1981, wherever you were in your life, if you were in your life, and that's 38 years. I had lunch with Tom Lowry Friday, a friend of ours who was on staff here years ago, fighting multiple myeloma, and he's had it 10 years, and that seems a long time, and he's doing very well, by the way, but 38 years. This man and many others gathered and they probably had someone drop them off at the pool. Many were paralyzed and they couldn't move and people would take them every day. Perhaps somebody started the rumor to have a place to take their friend or relative for the day and just leave them. It's a sad picture. But I love what happens here. After 38 years of waiting, for this man, and we only know his story. How many others were there, we don't know. What Jesus did with them, we don't know. I like to think it was a special day for a lot of them, or all of them. They're at the pool, and they look in the distance, and they see someone coming. Here comes Jesus. And as he gets there, he finds this man and he asked him this question that seems odd that you could ask this question to anyone there and you'd know the answer. Would you like to get well? Of course he wanted to get well. But he made up an excuse. I can't. I, I, I can't get to the water. I'm not fast enough. It, somebody always beats me. And Jesus heals him on the spot like that. I bet Jesus healed many that day in this place, but this is the only one mentioned. But if you notice, and I choose this story out of many I could have chosen, it's a pattern in Scripture. There's a problem. Jesus shows up. Here comes Jesus, and the problem's solved. That's true then, and that's true now. It's true there. It's true here. I had lunch with another friend this week, not Tom Lowry. He's an over-the-road truck driver, and he was coming through from south, and we met at Donald Lee Hallwell exit over at a truck stop. I usually don't go to Donald Lee Hallwell exit, and I get on 285 and drive that way. So I told him, I really must love you to do this, to come here to see you. We've been good friends a long time, but... 
Once upon a time, he was wild, and he'd tell you. He had little room for God in his life, and I got to baptize him in his 40s, and he'll soon be 60, and he loves Jesus. He's become a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better grandfather, a better neighbor. Everything has changed because Jesus showed up. There was a funeral here yesterday. And Wendy, it's hard to not smile when you say the name Tony Alexander. He was quite the character. He was 64, which is way too young to be the guest of honor at a funeral. And Tony would be the first to tell you that once upon a time, he was a heathen with a capital H. Is that fair to say? He'd tell you that. But between his foolish youth and his funeral, thank God, Tony came to know Jesus. At the reception, I met a, young, a, a gentleman who said several years ago, Tony, who had a lighting company, was doing work for their church, and was telling him about his problems, and well, later that day, Tony became a Christian. And Tony's in heaven because someone invited him to Christ, and Jesus showed up in his life, and everything changed. With that being said, now to Palm Sunday. On this particular day, likely two million plus in Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And they're in the town and they're partying and they're doing the things that they do and celebrating and thinking and talking and then they look in the distance and here comes Jesus riding on a donkey. His popularity had grown. People had heard of his miracles. Maybe some had seen Jesus perform them. Maybe some had even received his miracles. I wonder if the man that was healed at the pool at Bethesda was there that Palm Sunday. I bet he was. Maybe he's the one that yelled, here comes Jesus. The rumors were flying in Jerusalem that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, that one's true. But then the next one, he's about to take over the government and rule everything here is what many were hoping and thinking. And that was not true. Jesus wasn't interested in the government. Tiberius was the emperor. Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea. Herod ruled over Galilee. And the people were tired and ready for a change. And here comes Jesus well, let's read what Matthew tells us in chapter 21. When they'd come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say the Lord needs them and he'll send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Zechariah, 500 years before this occurred, tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road and cut other, others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road, and the crowds went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. 
Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, they said again, in the highest heaven. When entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil asking, who is this? Hosanna. Matthew spoke about it. The songs you chose spoke about it. The Greek word for Hosanna is from the Hebrew, Hosanna, and it's only found once in the Old Testament. Psalms 118.25 begins with it. Hosanna, which is save us. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. But the word Hosanna literally means save us now. It's a plea for help. As Jesus is coming, people are yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us now. It's a plea. And it meant different things to different people. To our friend from the pool, from John 5, if he was there, he likely went from group to tell him, from group to group to tell him, let me tell you what he saved me from. I was sick for 38 years, and then one day, and I bet he's grinning from ear to ear telling this story. Jesus sure saved him. But sadly, on this day, most of them were wanting a political savior, not a spiritual one. And as you know, Jesus' kingdom was not of this world. He wanted to save them spiritually for eternity. They wanted a free meal and an easier life in the here and now. And that's not why he came. It was quite a parade that day with the yelling and the waving and the donkey and Jesus. Life is a parade, isn't it? Life is a parade. And I say that because you stand there and you never know what's coming next. You have no idea what's about to come down the road. Sometimes it's good and we applaud and other times it's not so good. But you'll want to know this and to remember this. No matter where you are in your life, no matter what's going on in your parade, ask Jesus to come by and he'll come to you. Here comes Jesus, just like clockwork. Romans 10, 13 puts it this way. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus will come. My friend that I had lunch with this week, let me tell you how he came to Christ. I told you Tony came to Christ because he was doing some work and somebody heard his problems and said, you need to meet Jesus. And that's what happened. My friend came to Christ in Indiana because a man named Bob Williams. Bob was an over-the-truck driver. He had lots of miles on him, and he'd be the first to tell you that some of them were sober. Some of them. He lived a tough life, and it showed. He became a Christian, and I'm not sure how he came to Christ, but when he became a Christian in his 70s, I had the privilege of baptizing him. And Bob was the type that once he became a Christian, everybody should become a Christian. Everybody. And so he went to his old rough circles and preached to them. And Bob's life changed and he told people about Jesus. 
Bob died a few years after he became a Christian and I conducted his funeral. And at his funeral, there were a lot of truck drivers, a lot of tough guys, a lot of old friends from his past. The man that I had lunch with this week that's a Christian now was at that funeral. And because of Bob's witness, my friend became a Christian. Jesus showed up to him and asked, would you like to get well? And my friend said, oh, yes, I would. That's a great question, isn't it? Would you like to get well? Today, Jesus comes to us and asks the same question. And it's my hope and prayer that all of us on this rainy day have said, yes, I want to get well. And we all love Jesus. But would you like to help others get well? That's a good question to ask the week before Easter isn't it? Would you like to help others get well? With Easter coming, I want you to watch this video about helping others get well. going to be full. It's always full. And it'll be the same in your church, I promise. It'll be full. It'll be full of people like me. Full of people who haven't been to church in a while. Full of people who think they might be critiqued or analyzed or judged unfairly. Full of people who don't have God in their lives and aren't exactly sure how to get Him back. But you know what, before I step in, I need you. I need you to do something that's probably a big deal for you. You're going to see me this week, and I need you not to walk past me. And I need you to work through your fear, because I'm working through mine. And I just, I just need you to invite me in. And if I act like I'm not interested in going to church with you, still, I need you to ask me to come. I need you to help me see God. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I need you more than you know. Because look, at the end of the day, God said he loved me enough to die for me. I mean, that is the claim, right? died and he didn't stay dead your church will be full this weekend your church could be full this weekend with people just like me different face different skin color different age, sex or social status but make no mistake I could be sitting right next to you I just need you to invite me in, that's all. Nothing more, nothing less. And nothing complicated. And nothing driven by guilt. Just invite me in. I need you to.
How important are you? Eternally important. The way you respond and the way you react and the way you welcome and the way you love and the way you live. God bless you as you do that, not just for next Sunday, not just for Easter, but every time you walk in these doors or every time you encounter someone. Let your light shine before men so they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for showing up. Thank you for coming to our lives. Thank you for the people that you have used and that you're still using to draw us closer to you. Help us, Father, to be magnets. Help our faith to be contagious. Help us, Father, to reach out. What a great opportunity in the next week. Make us missionaries for you. Driven just by love. Driven by gratefulness because of what you've done in our lives. We look forward to a great week. Make it so. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you this week and Easter.